Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 134 of your favourite Bible study podcast, Thrive Deeper. It's your fellow lover of all things Bible, DJ Payne here. And on this fortnight's episode, Matthew Jacoby and I sit down together and we attempt to get through chapters 15 to 22 of 1 Samuel. That is eight chapters. This is all about the early life of of young David, the anointed king, one of the most crucial characters in the Old Testament. We also have an incredible special offer that you will not want to miss out just for you for Christmas. I'm going to go out there and say it. I think this is our best special offer yet. All right, so keep on listening. You do not want to miss out on that. So grab your Bible, grab your copy of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, and let's get into 1 Samuel. DJ, I'm sitting here looking at your uh, your dad's record. Yeah. And and I'm I'm looking I'm looking at your dad's record, Johnny Payne Sings. Yes. And two shelves above, I'm yeah. looking at a canister that says Johnny Payne on it. Do you want to explain? <laughs> uh, I love the fact that you've jumped in jumped into uh, start the start the podcast today. Um Well, yeah, I'm, well I'm I'm thinking that I might uh, just move to doing this on my oh, own. So. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh yeah, that's well. Uh, the canister is my dad's ashes. My right, late, the yeah. late great Johnny Payne. Yeah, um, and the record. Tell me about the well, record. Well, the record he recorded a. Um, uh, he was a bit of a star, wasn't he? Well, he he yeah. Back in the back in the sixties uh, and uh, the seventies, he was imagine imagine the um, the Brat Pack. Yeah, you know Frank Sinatra yeah, and yeah, all of those yeah, guys. Yeah. He was he was that touring around Australia. Oh, he looks like it too. Yeah, <laughs> what a classic! Have you put that into onto digital format? No, You're gonna, oh, I, why? I know I've got a uh, I've I've got someone lined up to do it. There's a handful of those still around um, those those uh, albums in Australia. Um, I did buy a vinyl record player to do it myself, mm. but it just wasn't up to scratch. So yeah. there are services out there that put vinyl onto. Hey, and dear listener, if you know of anybody who puts vinyl onto uh, yeah. onto digital let me know and we can release johnny Payne sings to the world <laughs> all right come on let's do it what are we doing today uh, we're not talking about my dad we're talking about uh we're back in first samuel uh where we left uh you know first samuel again to give everybody an overview uh of what we're looking at this is the period of um about three thousand years ago in in history this is uh, a thousand years before Christ, roughly, mm. uh, we have the period of the of the uh, of Israel, ancient Israel, entering into the period of the ki- the early kings mm-hmm. when they become kings. Yeah. They go out of the judges. Yeah. Samuel being the last judge, the priest yeah. Samuel, a, an incredibly godly figure uh, in the Bible, right up there with Moses as far as um, you know, a, a ruler and a judge for the for the nation of Israel. Uh, he he is the last judge. Um, he is, uh, you know, beholden to the people. They demand a king like the other people. So mm. the three main characters that we have in the book of First Samuel is Samuel himself, the priest, as the last judge. Then we move into King Saul, 
and and also I'll I'll get, I'll get a, a major side character there is his son Jonathan, King Saul being the first king of Israel, and then we move into the next anointed king, which is you know King David. Yeah, so they're right. the they're the major major yep. characters. So so far we've looked at Samuel, we've looked at the rise of Saul, yep. and now for this episode, we're really looking at the emergence of this young guy David yep. as God's chosen yep. and. The the tragic crash. I feel of like Saul. I feel like in our last episode, yeah, uh, it was like Saul was in the dock, and you were you were <laughs> you were acting for the defence, and I was the uh, I was acting for the prosecution. Look, I, look the re- okay, okay I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest here. I you know in listening to it, I maybe fought for Saul a little bit too hard, uh, but I, it's I think it's because and Matt. This this is getting a little little bit philosophical now. When I read these stories, I am putting myself in their shoes. Yeah. So when I read the story of Saul, I see so much of myself in Saul. Mm. So that's maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe why I'm arguing for him because he made the mistakes he makes are awful and horrible. But I feel, man, I've made those mistakes, yeah. and I and I used to read the Bible very judgmentally. Yeah. How could people? How could Saul do something? And then as I've matured and grown, I've realized, oh, no, that's not the point of these stories. Yeah. The point of these stories is to realize that there's so much of Saul in me. That's right, yeah. I think it seems harsh because it talks about you know God rejecting Saul, and it's not a personal rejecting rejection. It's no. rejecting him as king. But one of the issues is how, how Saul responds to that. Yeah. He always has the opportunity to... Repent and turn back to God, and oh. and uh, but he never takes that. He sort of drives on, and as we're going to see in the next couple of episodes, uh, it just gets worse and worse yeah. uh, to the point where you know he is he, he is tormented. Yes, he, he's well, a tormented man. Well, at the end of this, hopefully, if, hopefully, our goal goal mm-hmm. you know in this episode is to get to the point where I think. Uh, you know, is one of the most crucial points in the story where Saul has gone too far. Yeah. That's the goal to get to in this one. But we're yeah. starting in 15. That's right. So just a, a crucial background to yes. this, because we're, we're talking about kings now. The crucial background actually is Deuteronomy chapter 17. Yes. And and just a couple of summary points out of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 17. And this is an important principle of biblical interpretation. Um, the... You know, whenever you're reading something, you always need to ask the question, what has been said about this already? Yes. Because everything builds on what came before, particularly uh, key things like key moments where God makes promises, uh, where God makes a covenant with his people and, and they're accompanied by promises. You need to remember some of those things. So a very important book that, that lies behind every, all of these narratives oh. that we're going to read right to the end of Second Kings yes. is the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, definitely. Outlines how they should right. be doing everything. Yeah, that's right. So what has been said about the king? Well, what has been said uh, is that, the well, basically what it, it depicts uh, an approach to kingship is completely different to anything else yes. in the nations around. So kings were not permitted to have, you know, large cavalry. They weren't to, to amass wealth. Uh, talks about do not amass horses or wealth. Do not have many wives. If that was... Uh, just what you did in the ancient world to form foreign alliances. Yeah. Uh, you did that through marriage. And so it seems like in the instructions for kingship at the end of Deuteronomy 17, it's actually cutting off everything that was 
usual for kingship. And in fact, one of the key things was that the king was to be uh, the law the, the lawmaker. The king yeah. was the lawmaker. And yeah. in many cultures, the king was uh, seen as a divine figure, in every case above the law. But in Deuteronomy 17, we're told that the king is to be subject to that law and therefore subject to, in a sense, to those who are the guardians of that law, which is the prophet. Yeah. So the big issue in um, at the, at the end, and to sum it up, there at the end of Deuteronomy seventeen, verse twenty, it talks about the king that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers. Yeah. That is that like to yeah, recognize right. he is he is an equal there, and, and that it's it's hard to overstate how incredibly countercultural that is. Yes. But it's I mean, also- we can look on that and say, yeah, yeah, that's that's reason, but that. No one said that in the age. You know, for yeah. the king was, you know, the king was inherently seen as being above everyone, if not divine. Yeah. And yeah. yet the the Deuteronomistic uh, law says he's not to consider himself better than any of his brothers. But it's also interesting in reading through that again and going through it all and rereading a, a lot of it over the last couple of weeks in preparation of this, realizing that Moses had prophesied that there will be a king one day yeah. when the people get into their land and things are sorted. Yeah, that's up. right. Yeah. It was interesting to me to go, wow, Samuel knew that, yeah. but Samuel really kicked up against it. Well, what he's kicking up against is they're wanting a nation, a, a king like all the other kings around them. I mean, he is, um, yes, there was provision for a king, but Samuel was the leader at the time. It's yeah. like, um, and, and he was the prophet, and uh, that's why when they asked for a king, God has to. It's almost like he's talking Samuel down. Look, just calm yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> it's because right. it's not you they're rejecting. No. They're, they're actually rejecting me. And that's and that's a good point because Samuel maybe. I mean, even though he was sad about the the way that it was going, it really wasn't really about the king. It was about he knew their hearts. Yeah, he knew the people's hearts and that they would drift off. Yeah, away. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So, so the issue, for example, in chapter thirteen, which is the first sort of moment, which which really is the moment where God says, "I've." You know, uh, I'm choosing another king in yes. Saul's place. Yes, um, and that's that has to do with this relationship between the king and the prophet. So the first issue in one Samuel thirteen, the first issue that arises, the first failure of Saul, is the his failure to submit to the prophet in yes. that sense. Not not the prophet just as the prophet, but the prophet representing the command of God, um, and. Uh, and we get this again in chapter 15. Yeah. So we, we're now at a place where, where again, this is all about <clears throat> Saul and Samuel. And this is a very crucial moment. Chapter 15 is a very crucial moment in the story. Uh, Samuel um, uh, tells Saul that, uh, you know, they, they're to go against uh, the Am- Amalekites. Amalekites, yeah. Amalekites, sorry. And uh, they're going to uh, – and he, and he says, look, the word of the Lord is – and one of these harsh ones for us yeah. today – Wipe them out. Yeah. Well, uh, and again, let's be reminded that the the it's the idea of harem, the concept of harem, which is uh, when something is devoted completely to God, and and it's often expressed in terms of uh, this city or this people are they completely devoted to destruction. Yeah. So uh, remember, and and this is going back to Joshua a little bit because this is actually really important background for understanding yeah. what's the big deal here. Because uh, a lot of people don't get this about yes. 1 Samuel 15. Mm. It's like, hang on, what's the big deal here? Yes. This is really harsh on Saul. Um, uh, 
what the, Israel from the time of Joshua and the invasion of the land, this was to be this kind of pr- this prefigurative act of judgment, absolute act of judgment. Yes. Now the king, um, the king was to be the ultimate judge in the land in that sense, representing the rule of God. Ultimately, of course, the throne of Israel was to rep- represent the throne of Christ. Yes. The one who will come to judge the living and the dead, right? And uh, and and so. There were certain situations in which such and such uh, a you know a city like um, Jericho, for example, was devoted to destruction. The word there is harem. harem yep. It's a it's it's a word uh, invoking the idea of a sacrifice. It's like a um, almost a sacred act yes. of worship to God that you that you would carry this. And I know it's hard in, in our because this is this is something that applied then. Yes. Be- because of this prefigurative act of judgment, because the promised land represented as it was a prefiguration of the new heavens and the new earth. And so yeah. uh, you have this act of judgment. So so the responsibility of the king was to complete harem, was to complete this act of harem. Yeah. And, and one group of people that were under this harem edict were the Amalekites. Yeah. Because the Amalekites initially, because they attacked Israel when they came out of Egypt – and the um, the covenant uh, principle is those who curse you, I will curse. And so they were under this curse, and it was to be this uh, edict of harem was to be carried out against them. And it's uh, important to th- – there's a point that you made in a previous episode many moons ago, and I think it's important to bring it up again. <clears throat> there's only ever been one sanctioned holy war from God. Yeah. And that was given to basically Moses and Joshua. Yeah. As they entered in, that's right. You need to wipe these people out. Again, the other side of it, you know, and again, there are innocents there. There are, you know, women and children in there as well. Yeah. But the, those cultures were devoted to demonic, evil yeah. practices. You know, all sorts of perversion, and the holy war is continuing. Saul is 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 yeah. in law is is, that's is right. part of his role as the king is to pick up where Joshua and Caleb and the crew and the judges left that's off because right, it was unfinished it was it, left unfinished so it was he it's not like hey, this is a new war this is a continuation of yeah, the, of the of the thing that's right that's that will, a very good point that yeah. will continue and finally be finished in the life that's, of David yeah that's right so this this happens you're absolutely right once in history yeah and. It is going to happen again, but the fulfillment of it is going to happen again. And yes. we read about that in Revelation chapter 19 yep. when Christ comes exactly. uh, to bring judgment. So, And it's interesting to note because, of course, David is the one who's who's really going to finish. He's yes. going to show himself willing to finish. And he does uh, finish off this. And but it's interesting to note that when David says to God, I'm going to build you a temple, and this is the, recorded in the Chronicles version, God says, no, nah, you're, you're a man of blood, you're a man of war, you've spilt too much blood, you can't build me a temple. So it's like yes. it's almost like this necessary yes. evil. It's a, that's a great uh, that, point. That it's not like what God ultimately wanted, yeah. so much so that David, who obediently completed this, it's like, no, nah, sorry, Still mate. Still forfeited got, out of yeah, God's ultimate That's right, sorry, yeah. but you've got blood on your hands. I mean, it's like you, you did what, you ha- what had to be done, yeah. but... I, I, there is I want my temple. Yeah, and think of the symbolism involved in the temple. Yeah. You know, uh, and you know the the um, uh, I guess you know the the son of David. The idea of the son of David building the temple. You know, there's Jesus building the church, and uh, you know, God says it's not for you to build the temple because you're you belong to this thing. Yeah, uh, but 
I want the temple builder to be a man of peace, you know, a prince of peace. Yeah. You know, it's, it's rich. Let's jump back yeah. into First Samuel 15. Yes. That's all yeah. the background. <laughs> That's all the background. <laughs> We've got so many chapters to get through. We've got all yeah. that background there. So Saul is, is – Samuel prophesies, you know, gets a message from the Lord and says, listen, you've got to go to war. This is your next stage. Amalekites, you know, destruction, go. Yeah. Saul says, right, raises a great army, goes up against King Agag. Yeah. Agag, the Amalekite king. And, uh, you know, and again, it's very important. The word of the Lord through Samuel said, you have to wipe them all out. Yeah. And then we get, you know, that Saul and his crew uh, spared the king's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything. In fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. Then yeah. we get a wonderful meanwhile. Meanwhile, Samuel, Samuel's kicking back with the Lord, mm. and the Lord says, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, yeah. for he has not been loyal to me. And so Samuel goes out, and we have this amazing confrontation at um, at the town of Carmel. Um, Where, by the way, it says in uh, verse 12 of chapter 15, yep. you know, Samuel went up to meet Saul, uh, but, he, and, uh, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel there, he has set up a monument in his own honour. Yeah, so, just in passing. Yeah. So there's issues going yeah, on Yeah, so there are, there are clearly uh, issues going. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's not just the action that is problematic here. Yeah. It's Saul, Saul is setting himself up in such a way as to be above the law. Yeah. And he, he, this is this is Saul, in a sense, building a tower of Babel out of his own identity. And, and dare, dare we think... And I don't want to get into the application too early, but I'll tell you what, this is a great application to anybody in leadership. You lead in a team. Yeah. You don't lead by yourself. You yeah. can't walk out there and go, hey, God told me to do this. Yeah. I'm now, when the rest of the team is saying, hang on. Yeah. No, 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 you know, type of thing. And so we, this is basically what we say. We get a great scene, like it's such a vivid scene of Samuel coming up saying, you know, g'day, and, and Saul saying, hey, I've done everything. Yeah. Hey, look at this. We won. We did everything right. And Samuel being so, so. No, you didn't. So, yeah. so hang on. What's that I hear in my ears, the bleeding of these sheep and the Yeah, goats? because they, I mean, they took uh, like lots of things out yeah. of that. And I mean, now let's go back to Jericho. Uh, um, uh, Achan just took one thing, you know, yes, uh, of of all that was devoted to destruction. One, you know, one small thing. Uh, th- these guys have taken heaps of stuff out of there, and that was all devoted to destruction. And the problem here is that this was a sacred duty. Yeah. This had this this had you know religious significance, and so uh, it's th- this is a big. Oh, it's a big Problem. step. This is a, yeah. this is the first major crack in Saul's. Well, this is yeah. you know the major <clears throat> cutaway here. So they have a conversation, and basically Saul is telling him what the Lord is saying, and sorry, Samuel is saying to Saul, King Saul, what the Lord is saying that yeah. he is now cut off. Saul has a chance to repent, but doesn't. He makes excuses. Yeah, great, another great lesson lesson in leadership. Yeah. Makes excuses, but I did obey the Lord. Yeah. You know, you hear this petulance yeah. in his voice, you know, and we took this, me and our men, we took all this because uh, we wanted to sacrifice all these good things into the, and it's like, really? Really? Yeah. And so Samuel pronounces judgment over him and then 
then, as he's told that he has rejected King, it's only then that Saul pleads for forgiveness and and actually agrees. Like, so he realized yeah. that all of that stuff beforehand was a big fat lie, because then Saul actually says at the end, he goes, "Yeah, I did what did disobey." Yeah, well, um, and and this is you know acting for the prosecution, <laughs> as I said. Uh, but just, just first of all, a note, uh, verse twenty three. Um, you know, part of that judgment is because you have rejected the word of the Lord, yeah. he has rejected you as king. Yeah. So remember, this is not, it's not the personal yeah. thing. It's, you know, it's rejected as king. Okay. Now, uh, in verse 30, when Saul, as you say, uh, he replies, he says, I have sinned. Uh, but note what he then says uh, for, the, for the prosecution uh, here. Yeah. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Now, the issue here is that Samuel is this revered, massively revered prophet. Now, remember when he went to uh, down to um, uh, Jesse's hometown yeah. and everyone's tre- everyone trembles yeah. at Samuel? Yeah. What, 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 why have yeah. you come here? God's man. Yeah, God's he's man. God's man, right? Yeah. So for, the, for the, God's man to be saying this, rebuking the king, uh, that's really dangerous for his position as king because yeah. he, he will see i mean he will lose the confidence of the army and if he loses the confidence of the army he's lost his power yeah. and so he he now is in a really uh, he's been essentially shamed in a sense and he Massively wants so. you know it, just before it says that he set up a monument in his own honor okay now he's saying in verse 30 please honor me before the elders. Yeah. Okay. So what is what is he acting for the prosecution? <laughs> what is Saul? Uh, and and feel free to act for the defence here. <laughs> I will. But, <laughs> I will. I will. But but you it's know, hard. Um, what is Saul really concerned about here? He's concerned about his honour before the before the elders. He, he's now become a king. He's yeah. he's let me let me go one <clears throat> step further. Let me go into meddling. He's concerned about politics. Yeah, he's concerned about what yeah. the people are. What yeah. are the newspapers going to say the next day? Well, yeah. at least be seen with me going to worship. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, and 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 like I'm going to be covered my bases now. And it's not it's not that he didn't do good things. I mean, we have yes. a summary uh, back at the end of uh, chapter fourteen and forty seven. You know, it says. Uh, about Saul, wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment on you know yeah. their enemies, and he fought valiantly, and he defeated the Amalekites. So it doesn't; it's not denying that he did good things. Well, but this even is a even key if, failure, even in that verse at the end of that that bit there, verse thirty one. So Samuel finally agreed to go back with him, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Yeah. So so as I'll act as a defendant, okay, yeah. uh, acting as a defendant, he was genuine. There was a genuine well, part of him. Yeah, it doesn't say to... that he was genuine. It just says that he he went through the motions. <laughs> hey, I don't see that. I think you're reading between the lines there. Uh, you, your Honour, <laughs> we need yeah. a time out. No, okay, now we get. You know, I hinted yeah. at this in the last episode. So we offered the sacrifices and, and all yeah. of that stuff. Good we, on you, Hinted at the, uh, it's going to be harder to defend him as we go on. I hinted at this at the last episode. Now we get, and it's only a couple of verses long, one of my favorite stories about Samuel, because Samuel then says, right, 
Brinking Agag to me. Now, this is the priest. This yeah. is God's man. This is the holy man. It says, and Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, surely the worst is over, and I've been spared. But hmm. Samuel said, as the sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. This is my fa- one of my favorite lines in the Old Testament. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgag. Oh, goodness Gilgal. me. The, in the, in, I think in the, in the, was it in the, uh, in the King James, it says- Is this the- is this the this uh, is the adolescent? Hey, let me just ask you a question. <laughs> this, this is the adolescent uh, uh, DJ I'm, Payne uh, coming out here. I'm still the, I'm still yeah. that adolescent because yeah. I think the old King James. What would was- Johnny Payne there say about that? <laughs> I think he'd love it as well. Uh, like the, I think the original King James is and Samuel hacked a gag to pieces. That is, bef- but the fact that it is before the Lord, mm. and and this is and again. I'm 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 playing up the gruesome part of it, mm. but this the lesson here is that you know Samuel is going to do the faithful thing in getting rid of the sin out of the camp, yeah. Yeah. and 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 it is it is he's the instrument of the Lord's judgment. Yeah, as you said, this is a one-off. Yes, uh, but he's willing to do what you know, what is necessary in this. Yeah. And we get a very sad little conclusion here to the chapel. Samuel never met with Saul again yeah. after they worshiped together. And he mourned constantly for him. Yeah. So, so the Samuel, yeah, yeah. you know, Samuel had a heart for Saul. There's yeah. my other bit of the defense there. It's interesting. <laughs> Your Honor. It says here, no, that's, no, that's, that's good. Okay. Uh, as you said, it's going to get harder. Yeah. To defend Saul. <laughs> it will. <laughs> yeah, but give it a red hot go. Um, <laughs> The last line there is interesting, isn't it? And the Lord regretted yeah. uh, that he had made Saul king over Israel. Yeah. And th- this raises this sort of question with, with us classic theological abstract thinkers. Yeah. Oh, hang on. But does, you know, did, did the Lord make a mistake uh, here? Is this, did God change his mind? It's, you get all of these sorts of questions. Um, the, the the biblical narrative always depicts a sense of genuine interaction between God and his people. Yes. So this, uh, what we would call an anthropomorphic way of describing God and these interactions, um, are, are important for adding a genuine sense of relational interaction between God and his people. Um, so there is real, there is real, it's not that God was surprised or it's not making a theological statement. Mm. It's, it's an expression of, in as much as Samuel mourned, so was God. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, so was God, and Samuel's mourning is is as the prophet is indicative of the heart of God uh, for Saul. Now that Saul was, and the issue here is, Saul isn't responding. No, Saul isn't responding, and, and God is oh. is grieved by that. Yeah. Unless this is why this is again part of my defense. How many times have I justified yeah, my yeah. sin? Before yeah, the Lord, yeah. how many times have I said, "No, no, I've actually been obeying you, God." Yeah, you know, and this is why I, I read into it and go, "Oh man, yeah. it's he wanted he really Samuel really wanted this to work out, though." Uh, you know, and I think there's the human part of him as well because it's interesting that you know Samuel was really reticent, wasn't yeah, he, at the start yeah, to yeah. anoint this king, and yet yeah. he's really upset about this, yeah. and so much so at the start of chapter sixteen, yeah. it says the Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul?" Since I've rejected him as king over Israel, yeah. like come on, Samuel, get over this. We got we got work to do here, bud. Yeah, the next one is it, and so let's go fast. Let's go pretty quickly through this. Yep. This is our introdu- introduction to David, young Ruddy, the the youngest of the uh, of the eight sons <clears throat> of Jesse. 
Um, he's out there. We get this amazing story of of Samuel, the Lord taking Samuel to the house of Jesse, who is the uh, grandson of uh, Ruth and yep. Boaz. Yep. You know, so to yep. bring that picture in there, the grandson of Ruth and Boaz, we have him there with his sons. And again, we have this wonderful, the lesson here is every time one of the elder sons come in, they're beautiful, handsome, tall, yeah. like King Saul. You know, Samuel's yeah. like, oh, well, this has got yeah, to be the yeah. guy. God's saying, no, no, no. And they wait for this, the youngest of the family, the ruddy runt of the litter, the yeah. the, 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 rough, the rough kid from the who's a young yeah. shepherd, and David comes in and God says, this, this yeah, is the one. Right. So this is all set up in contrast, and, and this is a story of contrast throughout the narrative here in this first book of Samuel. We're going to see constant contrast between Saul and David. Now, one of the points of contrast, if you go back to that moment where Saul uh, was formally recognized as king, where uh um, Samuel presents him towards the pe- before the people. Remember, he's hiding among the baggage, yeah. and they bring him out. and And there's a statement made there where it's they they saw that he was a great, you know, strong man that he yeah. was a head taller than Handsome. everyone else. And yep. that's right. And and Samuel says, "See the Lord, you know, see the one, you know, uh, is there anyone like him among you know?" And uh, this the statement here in. Um, Chapter sixteen, verse seven, is said in deliberate contrast to yeah. that statement earlier yes. Yes. about Saul that he was, you know, yeah. l- look at him, look how tall he is. Is there anyone else among, you know, yeah. where he's compared to everyone else and he's seen to be bigger and stronger yeah. than everyone else? And yet here, uh, the Lord said to Samuel in verse seven of chapter sixteen, "Do not consider his appearance or his height." Okay, so it's deliberately in contrast to what yeah. was said previously about Saul. For I have. Re- for I've rejected him. Yeah. Again, not rejecting him personally, but as yeah. king. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward experience, uh, outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So um, that is in deliberate contrast. God is looking for a worshipper, uh, not the classic ancient Near Eastern strongman king. Yeah, It's interesting, just a, a note here, because clearly... David knows, you know, has a real heart for God. Yeah. This, I think, connects with the legacy of, you mentioned Boaz and Ruth. You know, Boaz in the time of the judges is clearly a godly man in a time righteous of unfaithfulness. That's right. He's righteous, righteous and, just. and just. That, because even this time of Samuel, I mean, Samuel brings about some reforms and is bringing people back to God. But it's interesting to note here that, you know, Jesse and his yeah. family, that they're, they're a God-fearing family, so that David is, you know, brought up uh, with this, uh, benefiting from this legacy that comes yeah. all the way from Boaz. Definitely. So we fast forward, and this is, you'll notice at the, you know, 16, 17, 18, and this is the point that I've made before, uh, these books aren't exactly chronological. Because you sort of get these multiple the sections within the books. Yeah, yeah the yeah, sections. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you get these multiple introductions to, hang on, does Saul already know David? Does yeah, David yeah. and Jonathan? You get a bit, little bit of that. We don't know exactly how it how it lies in chronologically. Yeah, well, it, it underscores the fact that the organization of the material has some thematic yeah. uh, theological purpose. Yeah. And this classic, the next story is a, is a classic example of that. Because this is where we have this evil spirit from the Lord... Yeah. You know, God's this evil control. spirit. God's yeah, in control. That's right. And because we've seen this before yeah. in, in the case of uh, Jehoshaphat, Micaiah the prophet has this 
uh, it's Ahab and Jehoshaphat, yes. you know, and uh, and God sends Micaiah, a lying spirit. Yeah, that's right. God's God. <laughs> there's this lying spirit that you know says, "Let me go and be a lying spirit in the mouths of the prophets God to said, bring yeah. Ahab to his doom." Right? Wow. And God says, "Yes, okay, go." So this lying spirit has to get God's permission. So God uses the lying spirit for His purposes yeah. uh, to bring down Ahab. Well, this is what's happening here. So uh, God is allowing or using this lying spirit to bring, uh, you know, to, to bring something torment. to a head here. Yeah, that's right. So, and, it, and it's and, it, and again, I think um, <clears throat> this. I might be reading too much in it here. Whereas modern readers will come to this with thoughts of mental illness and you know descend into craziness, and we definitely get some crazy behaviour yeah. in this. But I believe. You know, and we sort of we sort of poo poo the spiritual yeah. realm that that can affect yeah. people. You know, can affect mental mm. illness. I think sometimes the two can go. You know, oh yeah, absolutely, two, two, yeah, two go yeah. together. Yeah. Chicken and the egg. Don't know which one comes first. Yeah. But here, Saul has has. It's like the Romans. You know, it's like it's the Romans chapter one type of thing. Yeah. Saul rejects God's yeah. plan for himself, so God yeah. lets him over. Yeah. Gives him, gives him over. Yeah, gives that's him right. over yeah. to to what he wants, and he descends into. We're going to see as we keep on yeah. going. Saul is going to descend into a type of madness yeah. that is being tormented. You know, brought yeah, on right. by this tormenting yeah. by this. It's spirit. like his ambition and his desire for glory is becomes a foothold yeah. for this demonic, you know, spirit, and and so you know, and God allows this to bring this. But here's the thing: see. Uh, what this shows, and this is because we go from this, this is interesting, we go yeah. from this story straight into the David and Goliath story. The most famous. Lot, and, and, you know, a lot of people know the da- David and Goliath story, but the placement of, the, even though this probably happened after, yes, yes, um, yet it's put before yes. because it shows something about David. So here is Saul the strong man, unable to resist these spiritual powers, mm. and yet David comes in with his harp, plays his harp, and it says the uh, that the spirit uh, left Saul. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, it's a, a, right, right at the end of that section, last verse in chapter sixteen. Um, whenever the spirit uh, from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul; he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Yeah. You know, so David through his worship vanquishes this spirit, and of course, playing the heart had this connection. Yes, and music had this connection with worship. And and David is a man of worship and music <clears throat> and prayers. And, yeah, you know, poetry. You know, he's an artist as well as a, that's as, right as a, yeah. as a warrior. There, I I look, Matt. We've, we've, we've and run, that leads into that leads into chapter seventeen, so, which is which is the yeah. most famous chapter. Yeah. Everybody knows the story about David and Goliath. I don't know how much we have to go into it again here because we're running out of time. Yeah. Do we just go, right, you know, we all know the story of David Goliath. David no, comes no, there's in. There's a few things to say about it, so we'll, but, we'll, right, we'll, right. we'll, but we'll go, we'll do big picture because okay. it's the big picture stuff that's important here. All right. We, okay, we're going to be back with the big picture with a big fella and yeah. <laughs> with the big fella Goliath here in just a moment on Thrive Deeper. Thank you. 
Thrive family. It's your old mate, DJ Payne, or should I say Santa Claus here. I'm feeling a bit like Santa. I know I've got the beard for it, and yes, smarty trousers. At the moment, I do have the stomach for it as well. But listen, listen. We have got an amazing offer just for you for Christmas. This, I'm going to go out on record here, this is the most exciting offer that we've ever had. And I think... I'm actually going to be ordering it myself. Okay, now check this out. As you've heard, Matthew, Jacoby and myself consider C.S. Lewis to be one of the greatest, literally one of the most important Christian writers in the modern era. C.S. Lewis, if you've never gotten into his works and you've been thinking one day, one day I'll get into C.S. Lewis, one day I'll get those books that I need to get, let me tell you, we have got the offer for you. This is an exclusive offer of the complete C.S. Lewis Signature Classics. What does that mean? This is seven of his finest books on Christianity. can be all yours in a beautiful slipcase, in a beautiful new collection. It's absolutely gorgeous. The books are Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, Surprised by Joy, The Four Loves, The Problem of Pain, The Great Divorce, and Miracles. These seven books will change your life. Now, you might be thinking, hey, I've already got these on my shelf at home. But if you're anything like me, I've got a great library of great books, and I'm constantly lending them out, and my books just disappear. So I think this is going to be my Christmas present to a lot of friends out there. I think I'm going to be buying this for a lot of friends out there because this is a beautiful present that will literally change someone's life. Now, I've seen this collection for over $100 in the stores. Recommended retail prices, $90 to $100. We are able to get it to you for $72. Only $72. But listen... It's only for Australia, and it's only for a strictly limited time. This is for you to buy right now for Christmas. So if you think this is an amazing offer, all you need to do is head over to thrivetoday.tv. Thrivetoday.tv. You will see a special listener's offer. Click on that, and that will take you to the fantastic, complete C.S. Lewis Signature Classics. Seven books for only $72. Now, this very special offer is only good for Australia. If you've got shipping in Australia, we can do it. Sorry, international listeners, we can't get this one to you. But if you're in Australia or you know someone in Australia you want to ship this to, let us know and we can do it for you. This is a fantastic Christmas gift. If you're sitting there thinking what to buy someone, hey, we've just solved your problem. The complete C.S. Lewis Signature Classics. I think I'm going to be uh, purchasing a couple here myself for presents. Get a hold of it over at thrivetoday.tv. Let's get back into the life of David in 1 Samuel. Thrive Deeper, DJ and Matt with you, and we are literally putting our foot on the gas as we go through 1 Samuel. We're in chapter 17, I would say one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. It's the story of David and Goliath. That's right. So, uh, as soon as we hear about this this giant, uh, basically is what he is, 
we need to allow that to, you know, trigger our memory of Numbers chapter 13. Yes. Okay, so they, that generation of Israelites, they spied out the land. They wouldn't go in. Why? Because there are these giant people uh, in the land, and that and that's a that's a throwback to Genesis, you know, and Numbers thirteen. Well, no, even oh, yeah, Genesis yeah, yeah, six. That's right, Genesis six, right? Because they that's refer to them as Nephilim. Yeah, you know, this is yeah. you know, this is a whole other spiritual element yeah. going on yeah. here. So, so this is a Numbers thirteen moment, basically. Yeah. And what we see here, and again, remember the comparison. So Saul, when this, uh, so this large Philistine guy comes out uh, with. You know, and he's for forty days. He's doing this. Saul is trembling. Uh, in Saul and the army are trembling in the tent. So they're like the ten spies. Yes. This is deliberate. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. They're like the ten spies, and David is the one that is the Caleb Joshua character yeah. Yeah. here. There's an interesting. Uh, there's a book that was written by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is a journalist, secular uh, yes. journalist. He's not a, a Christian, as far as I know. Uh, he wrote a book called David and Goliath, and um, he his the, the thesis of the book is that it's not an underdog story in any sense. That David actually was always the stronger man uh, in the story, because and this his argument goes that Goliath had some growth, uh, you know, some growth deformity that made him slow, uncoordinated, and probably blind. Wow. Uh, or, or, or half blind, okay. and David as the slingsman, you know, was, you know, he talks about, you know, slingers in those days and how, you know, that they had, they were really accurate, you know, pinpoint accuracy, and it was like he might as well have been holding a gun. Yeah. So it was like, you know, holding a gun against a un, big uncoordinated yeah. giant. And so he says, you know, and the point of the book is that, well, anyway, we don't need to go into the point of the book, but it's interesting, you know, because lots of Christians have, have read this book, and I've. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there have been messages getting out there. Oh, yeah, no, it's not an underdog. It's not a, it's actually, no, David was actually the stronger one in this story. You know, can we, can we let not it, let Malcolm let it, Gladwell yeah. let uh, let interpret happen, this story yeah. for all, you know, because, because what the text wants us to see yes. is that, you know, Goliath is the strong man. The Philist- and the Philistines would not have sent. Yes. Because the challenge is, if you beat me, yeah. we will all become your slaves. Become your slaves. Yeah. There's no way that the Philistines would have sent out a, an uncoordinated, half-blind uh, guy if well, they didn't think he could beat anyone. I'll, I'll, I'll take it one step further. From historical records that we have and what, what a lot of historians will say, and I've mentioned it before, the Philistines were advanced yeah. technology. And we even have a point that the writer here makes a point of all of the Bronze Age armor that he's wearing yeah. in comparison to these useless... Well, well they, they, everyone had bronze. It was the iron. Yes. It was the iron-tipped. Yeah. You know... The, the, they, they've got this advanced technology. Basically, they're yeah. saying they're rolling right. out rolling out a, a superior weapon yeah, with a superior right. soldier. So, so that you know the iron tip on his and this, you know I mean this is the details and we don't want to get too much into the details <laughs> but that would pierce any bronze yeah. armor. Yeah. That was the point. Iron the, the Philistines had moved into the iron age ahead of Anyone, anyone, you know, so they had superior weaponry. They had weaponry that could pierce the armor of anything that they were facing, right? So, uh, because, you know, remember David puts on Saul's armor here in the story, and David says, no, no, I'm not going to, it would have been useless anyway against that iron tip spear. So, um, and so David, 
And the other thing is, yes, David would have been uh, an accomplished slingsman, yes. but he does pick up five stones indicating that he didn't, he didn't, I mean, he doesn't know how God's going to deliver him yeah. out of that situation. Yes. So he, you know, he doesn't know that he's going to hit the first time. It's an interesting point, picking up the five stones. I've heard, I've heard multiple people bring up the point that later on we find out that the Goliaths have has brothers, has relatives in, you know, as we go through the Old Testament. And I've heard some preachers make a big point of the five stones were, you know, for Goliath's, Goliath's brother. Again. It doesn't say that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Anyway, it doesn't. Yeah, okay. I love, I love that. I love that. I don't know. And I say that because I know that somebody, you there listening at home are going, oh, yeah, he picked up the five stones because Goliath has got five, you know, four brothers. Again, yeah, it doesn't say that. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say, that. say that. It's honestly, it's not. It's not important. Yeah, but you know, the, but I think you know, it does. You know, what it does say is that he picked up five stones, and I think the most natural way to understand that is that you know he's he's, he's, he's going to take a yeah he's going to take a few shots. Yeah, but when he when he hits him on the first shot, it's like oh wow, God's. Uh, Really, uh, God come guided to the, the party. stone. Yeah, yeah, that's God right. guided yeah. the stone. That's the yeah. whole point of it. We we you know so we get this amazing picture of David Holt as a young man, as a yeah. young shepherd, yeah. holding up yeah. not only the head of Goliath, but using his own sword to That's cut right. him off. That's right. I've got the uh, Caravaggio painting yeah, in, beautiful, my, uh, beautiful. in my head. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, holding it up. And then Saul's, Saul basically says, who is this kid? And Abner, we, we're introduced to yeah. Abner as well. Abner being Saul's right-hand man, you know, as far as the military goes, is, you know, the commander of the army says, I've never... I, I have no idea yeah. who this kid is, and they go make inquiries, and they find out that he is the he is the son of Jesse. Yeah, and that is yeah. chapter seventeen. Yeah. So moving into, I'm trying to fast forward here. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's that's the big pitch. So you know, David is the is the Joshua Caleb here. He's the one that's you know willing to move you know move into the land, conquer yeah. the land. Yeah. We get we get uh, we go into Samuel eighteen, and this is a very important part. And there's a couple of yeah. things I want to I want to reference here, uh, Matt. Right at the beginning of Samuel eighteen, as as Saul and David are establishing their relationship, he meets Jonathan, the king's son. Yeah, and Jonathan, I love the way that uh, the New Living Translation puts it. There was an immediate bond between yeah. them, for Jonathan loved David, yeah. and from that day on. David lived with Saul, you know, Jonathan was there, and there was immediate friendship, uh, you know, between the two. We'll we'll get parts of that story as we go along here. Yeah. There's there's a Jonathan Jonathan obviously sees that David is is anointed by God. Yeah. You know, to be a to be a future. Which is leader. remarkable because Jonathan is the heir to the, heir throne. To the throne. So he he you know and we know that he's a godly man, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. And here's another contrast. Again, this is a book of contrast. So Jonathan is uh, is contrasting his father, whereas whereas as Saul is going to, and, and this is what we're going to see in this chapter. Yeah. Just becomes paranoid about David. You know, the, the women are singing these songs. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands, and yeah. Saul is just seething yes. in jealousy. Okay, Hates and it. feeling massively threatened by David. The contrast to that is Jonathan, who is, uh, you know, who's closer to David's age, who is the legitimate heir to the throne as yeah. things stand. Yes, uh, that is legitimate, just in in, in the world, the way terms, the, in yeah, the, world, the, world, the worldly the world works, terms. Yep. Uh, he he is the one actually that should have been even more threatened 
by David, and yet he enters into this covenant with David and recognizes him as the Lord's anointed. Now, I I love the story of Jonathan and David. It's one of the richest Mm. stories in in the Old Testament about a beautiful friendship. Uh, Again, tragic ending. We'll get there when we get there. Um, But there has been much made in the in the mm. days that we live in now um with you know people um you know pushing different agendas with yeah. lifestyle choices and things like that i'm being very careful uh, around yeah. my words words and i've heard multiple preachers and pastors talk about the love relationship the loving relationship I, you know they yeah, hug it was a homosexual relationship between Dave, uh, jonathan uh, and david yep it's it's in in the context of the Old Testament, yep. and you have to read a text in its context. That is that it, it, that is such an anachronism, and by that I mean it's reading a modern sensibility into a text which, in its context, would have been uh, completely uh, out out of. Uh, I can't even think of strong enough words yes, to put yes, it. Yes, it's yes. not. It's not even. Uh, not even hinted. Yeah, at. Not even hinted at. Because remember, the text is concerned. Is is the whole point of the text? Is it showing that these were godly men, and nothing could be clearer from the law Mm. uh, than uh, that 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 option uh, was completely ruled out? Uh, So, um, yeah, that that is. Uh, an impossible interpretation. Thank you. Thank you for you know stating that very clearly. Uh, we get in chapter eighteen. We get um, uh, basically David becoming more and more popular. We have an, an amazing uh, moment. Basically, David is is young David working in Saul's army is like. Uh, has the Midas touch. Everything mm. he does touches turns to gold. Yeah. David continued to succeed in everything he did with the Lord was with him. This is a very damning verse in verse 15. When Saul recognized mm. that God was with David, he became even more afraid of him. Yeah. And shows you where David, Saul's yeah, yeah. heart That's is right. really drifting away from the Lord yeah. here. So he's going to still oppose David, even though he recognizes that God is doing this, he's going to consciously fight against it. That's pretty full on, and and we get you know the one of the one of the early uh, machinations here of King Saul's um, plan to have David uh, come unstuck is yes, you can marry my daughter. I just need one hundred Philistine. Sir, well, it's interesting. You know, that, that, well, yeah, that circum, he thinks you know, foreskins. The, you know, uh, Saul's plan here is to use his daughter to uh, to mislead David. He yeah. thinks well. Um, uh, you know, she, because as what we know from later on is, you know, there's a story about uh, her name, Micah. She, yes. um, you know, she remember the story about she hides an idol in the bed. Yes. And you think what? What? There's an idol. Yeah. You know, like she's got these. She, you know, she is. She's an. She's an idolater, uh, and Saul probably thinks I'm gonna. I'll, I'll mislead. This is. This is uh, Saul doing what Balaam did. Earlier, you know, in numbers, numbers twenty-four moment yeah. here, yeah. where uh, we'll send in these yeah. women yeah. to actually, you know, if we can't, if we can't kill them, yeah. the Israelites, we'll send in the women to mislead them. Yeah, this is exactly now what Saul is doing. That that was his plan. Now, as it turns out, she falls in love with David. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's and, and David isn't swayed. It, it's an interesting point. David David has this attitude throughout it because this isn't the first daughter, the oldest daughter. <laughs> Saul's already thinking. I can use my oldest daughter with, with David. He's yeah. got this thing. David has an attitude of, I'm a humble servant. Yeah. I'm a poor shepherd. Yeah. I have nothing to give you. 
for yeah. your daughter, so don't even consider me. So Saul goes, oh, it doesn't work. And then he finds out that Micah, there's actual a spark between him, yeah, you know, yeah, her and David, yeah. and he's like, oh, this might actually work. And he comes up with this thing. And again, David has the same attitude. I'm sorry, you know, you know, I'm a poor So he person. makes him earn it. He yeah. makes him earn it. Right, how can I do this? A hundred foreskins from the Philistines, that's surely going to kill him. Yeah. You know, he can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. David comes back with 200. So, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and, and again, verse 21, I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him. Yeah. Yeah. And so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Yeah. Now that evokes, uh, you know, that evokes this idea of, you know, the, the, the ungodly Canaanites being a snare to the Israelites. It yeah. evokes and Saul uh, being totally Numbers afraid. 24, the, yeah. the, the, the women that, that mislead the Israelites. Uh, it evokes uh, Samson yes. as well with the Philistines well, being misled well, by it, the- it even, it even, I mean, with Saul's machinations here with his daughters, with the first daughter giving her into marriage to some guy from Mahol, you know, some yeah, of the, yeah. it's like, oh, he's already into the king thing of marrying in yeah, that's right. and gaining power that's from right. that. Yeah. So he's, he's, Saul is, this is where the defence. Yes, <laughs> this is where your defence <laughs> really breaks yeah, down. Really, You're going to be clutching I, I, at straws. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's going against yeah. him now. So the Philistines attack. David is more successful. So we end chapter 18 with David. And it David. just gets worse. It's oh. just, David's on the rise. Uh, yeah. David's yeah. on the rise. Uh, Saul now is now out and out just trying to kill uh, <clears throat> you know, kill David. Yeah. We have an amazing story of uh, of Jonathan um you know, uh, looking after him, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, so, Saul's keen to send David out because he thinks surely he's going to get killed in war. I mean, because he's still he's still a young man, yeah. right? He's 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 not he's still not the great, even though he's had success. That's because what the Lord's doing. But Saul just believes that if he keeps sending him out to battle, surely one of these days he's going to get killed. That's what he's hoping for. Yeah. But David keeps winning uh, these victories. John- Jonathan is helping. His wife is helping, yeah. you know, in the household here. David, um, you know, uh, you know, seeks refuge in different places. And it's interesting to note that the point that you just made, Matt, there, I just want to keep in, in the back of people's minds. David experiences time and time again this plot against him from Saul. Yeah. Put him into battle. He's surely going to get killed in battle. Yeah. That might come back to haunt David later on. David might have that sitting in his head yeah. because I you know again as yeah. we know the life of if anybody knows yeah. the life of David, yeah. we know that David yeah, falls into the same yes, right, yeah. So okay. he's yeah, David experiences Multiple times. I, I love a good cross-reference. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. So um, we, we should point out too that there are these moments here where Saul, tormented by the evil spirit, yeah. throws his, is constantly trying to spear David oh. uh, and, and David keeps eluding this. So Saul is uh, out to kill him. Interesting it says there in the in – the, sorry, I'm going backwards here. I know you want to move forwards. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it talks about um, – Saul is tormented by the evil spirit and prophesying. Yes. Well, that's uh, the that's the end know, of chapter nineteen. We have this crazy moment with with yeah. chapter nineteen, um, where where Saul's Saul's chasing after him. He keeps sending people out. They yeah. keep getting to this place where the prophets are, and they all become prophets. Yeah. Then finally, Saul goes out and he starts prophesying with them again, hearkening back to the early stage of his of what he was. Yeah, a young yeah, that's king. right. Yeah, and it's like. What what is this actually happening? Yeah, well, well, the uh, 
Yeah, so David escapes, as the story goes. David escapes and Saul sends his men after him because he's taken uh, refuge with the prophets. And each time the men go, they start prophesying. And and, and then finally Saul goes and he prophesies, as you said. So the the thing here is that God is doing something. It's it's God's sovereignty here. Um, You know, God is, is, and this is indicative of what's going to happen from here on. In, a, in essence, what this divine act is saying is that whatever people do, I'm going to use it for my purposes. Even though they've come here and they're doing this for the wrong reasons, I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to work all things for the good of those who love me to, to cite uh, Romans 8.28. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that this act of God in causing the army and then finally Saul to prophesy when they come to seek David out is indicative of this uh, of what's going to happen from here on. You, yeah. you might do this, but I'm actually going to use. Yes. Y- you are going to be an instrument in my hands, yeah. whether it's whether you want to, wh- or whether not. you yeah. want to or not. Yeah. This is the sovereignty of God at work here. Uh, we go to chapter twenty, and I'm really flying through now. Chapter twenty is a very uh, an amazing action packed movie story yeah. of Jonathan, of David and Jonathan working together. Uh, it's the one with Jonathan, you know, shooting the arrows, finding yeah. out if his father's really, really going to kill him. David says, "Man, your dad is going to kill me." Jonathan says, "It's not that bad." Jonathan realizes yeah. it is. Comes in fact, out- in fact, Jonathan, uh, he, you know, he tries to kill Jonathan yeah. uh, as yeah. well, yeah. and so. You know, he thinks, "Oh man, my dad is crazy." Now, now, what? See, the thing here is that Saul. This is Saul's paranoia, uh, because the reason why he attacks Jonathan is yeah. that he thinks that Jonathan has sided with David which against he, him. Which he well, well, he, he has, has yeah, but not against him. They're good him. friends. That's yes, right. They're yes. really good friends. So he's, you know, he just believes that they're siding together and yeah. conspiring to bring him down. Now, yeah. that, now they are good friends, but they're not conspiring to bring Saul down. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so anyway, so we get we we get this amazing story where Jonathan and David are, 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 are not conspiring, but you know, laying out the course of what to do. Jonathan, they're giving advice, and we have this beautiful, tearful goodbye. You yeah. know, because they realise <clears throat> things are getting really harsh, and these yeah. two are such best friends that both of them are in tears. Yeah. And at last, Jonathan said to David, "This is at the end of chapter twenty. Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other." In the Lord's name, and the Lord is witness of the bond between us and of our children forever. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, and so the, David flees. He goes to this place called Nob or Nov, Nov, or how, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, in Hebrew, it's a it's a city. It's not a Levitical city, but it's evidently a city where uh, you know where the priests live. It's where the high priest lives. Yeah. Um, it's just northeast of uh, just northeast of Jerusalem, actually on. Um, uh, Mount Scopus, yes, um, and uh, and so he. It's an interesting because he, you know, David uh, asks for the sacred bread. Yeah, um, and uh, it's an interesting thing. It's actually referred to in the, in the Gospels. Jesus you know, refers, Jesus refers to, yeah. to it uh, because it was legitimate. David was, uh, you know, it it could be used for legitimate purposes like that. Yes, um, but this is. This also is saying something about David, the fact that he, you know, he's given the, you know, the sacred bread and, you know, it says something about his position as the Lord's anointed. Yeah. Um, but as the story goes, he, he receives help from the priests uh, and then uh, it's, it's, Saul comes it, oh, in it's and it's a bloodbath. 
Well, because we this we, is the law. There's actually, um, and to, to cut a long story short, yeah, uh, Saul um, goes massacres yes. the priests. Yes, has the priests massacred? Even Awful. even the men when uh, when Saul goes in, then you know he questions them, and then he commands his men, "We'll cut the priests down." They're they're like, "No way, yeah, uh, we're not going to do." It. And there's only this um, this Canaanite guy, a dogue. Uh, his name is Doig the Edomite. Doig the Edomite. Saul's chief herdsman was there that day. And and so, you know, David's got one eye on him going, oh, I don't trust yeah. this guy, but listen. <clears throat> well, he's the one that tells that David was there. Yeah. And uh, and he's the, because the soldiers aren't willing to cut down the priests, but uh, Doig the Edomite is willing to do that. So this is this is the lowest moment. Saul massacres. Yeah. This is chapter 22. Yeah. This is chapter 22. This yeah. is this is We've seen, you know, Samuel, you know, cut Saul off yeah. and said, this is the judgment upon you. Yeah. Now we see, you know, I would say the lowest point for Saul because yeah. David is Sorry, not- I've, un- skipped, I've skipped ahead a little bit there. That's all right. That's uh, all right. Yeah. Da- Dave, David is hiding out, uh, yeah. takes his father and mother- to live uh, with relatives yep. there in Moab. Yep. Uh, he hides out, you know, different things, uh, you know. Um, and finally, Saul does all his homework, gets all the information, has his spies working and everything like that. And then he goes to to this priest in that area, uh, you know, the priest of Nob there. Um, and so Saul is, Saul is going ahead. And even though Ahimelech, the priest, is so respectful yeah, and so, um, yeah. you know, Honoring of yeah. Saul and and really lays it out perfectly, yeah. what God has told him to do. There's a bloodbath. It, yeah. it is. And it verse is a, thirteen. You know, Saul said to him, "Why, why have you conspired against me? Uh, you and the son of son of." Je-. So he just thinks everyone's against yeah. him. Yeah. This is absolute paranoia. It's like Stalin. Yeah. You know, yes. Stalin's purges, isn't yeah. it? He's just gone. It, he's, it's absolutely mad, and and he's willing uh, to. You know, verse seventeen. Uh, sorry, verse 16, the king said, you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. This is the high priest. Yeah. This is the high priest. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. then the king ordered the guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord because they too have sided with David. And But it says, but the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. So he makes this pagan guy yeah. uh, do it. It's just, it, this is this is madness. It's this low point. 85 priests in all still wearing their priestly garments. Yeah. You know, uh, and then uh, they went to the town, yeah. killed the priest's families, the men, the women, the children, the babies, and all of the cattle, the donkeys, sheep, and goats. Yeah. So he actually carries out harem. He's he had refused to do it yes. against the Amalekites, but he's now willing to do it for his own purposes yeah. here against a priestly, a high priestly family, and this this town of the key. Uh, you know, priests. It's yeah. just th- this. This is the this is the lowest yeah. moment. Where, as soon as you get here, you think, "Oh, this guy. This is pure evil." At this it, point, it's like one of the judges' moments where where the people and this is the king of the of the gods' people. 
is not just, you know, is either just as bad or even worse than yeah. the surrounding evil nations yeah, around right. them. Yeah. He's doing something worse. So we have one son of the priest Ahimelech escapes. Yeah. He flees to David, wise move. And he told David all that had happened. David exclaimed, I knew it when I yeah. saw that Edomite there that he was going to tell Saul. Now I have caused, this, this is the beautiful yeah. heart of David, I have caused the death of of all of your father's family. Stay here with me. Don't be afraid. I will protect you with my own life for the same person wants to kill us both. That's right. So we see the difference there of David willing to be, yeah. you know, to bring people in. That's right. And and Saul, um, you know, makes things worse here because now David is essentially what this means is, is that David is legitimized by the presence of the the heir to the high priest. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, um, uh, Abby Arthur, who is the, now the high priest upon the death of, you know, after Saul killed his father. So now that he's with David, that kind of legitimizes David, uh, you know, because the king and the priest relationship was, was to be a close really one. Important one. You know, he, he's got the, he's got the person there with whom he can, even though God is, is, uh, you know, communicating with David through uh, through the prophet Gad, uh, through Samuel, um, but there's also now the priest here. So he's got the he's got the the key prophets yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gad and Samuel. Yes. He's he's got the high priest yeah. now, Abiathar, with him. This is this is basically David is is legitimized in a sense, uh, sort of behind uh, behind the scenes in a sense. Saul is driving everyone away. He's completely sabotaging his own rule. Yeah. He's only really got the men of Benjamin at the start of that uh, when, he, when he meets uh, with his men. It's, he refers to them as men of Benjamin. It's basically his own tribesmen. Yeah, He's got it. his own circle. And it, everyone else is like, we're not hanging the, with this guy. Yeah, the rest, the rest of the people, though they recognize him as king, they're <clears throat> yeah. falling in love with David. Now, this is the beginning of... You know, we, we're going, oh my goodness, could it get any worse for David? Well, it does get worse yeah. for David. He, this is the beginning of David fleeing, running yeah. in the wilderness, the wilderness years for him. Yeah, and yeah. we're going to get into that in the next yeah. episode. But as we finish this one, Matt, I think you stand in a really unique position to be able to speak to this because of, because of your in-depth study, work, love of, and singing of mm. the Psalms. Overlay... What because we can basically read these stories and go, Well, we know what David's thinking and feeling, yeah, because he wrote it all down and we, he sung yeah. it all. So, what what is David experiencing here as he's as he's you know fleeing yeah. from Saul at this beginning stage here? He's not even king yet, yeah, and it's it's just terrible what's going on. And and this is this is where actually the Psalms, I think, can give us a real insight into what what's happening inside David. Yeah. And and the Psalms show us that. Now we could easily think he's just really calm and yeah. you know calm and confident and you know <laughs> oh the Lord bless Saul and yeah. and no he's not only is he does he suffer massive grief during this time but he's angry yeah like this massive injustice has been this guy's killed all of these priests yes. he's driven him out yeah. he's trying to chase and kill not only David but his whole family. Yeah. Uh, and, and his best mate, Jonathan, as well, his yeah, own, Saul's own yeah. son. Let me tell you, there's some fiery psalms, like really fiery psalms, yeah. uh, where where David is angry and taking his anger to God, saying, God, destroy my enemy. Now, we might say, hang on, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, are we meant to be 
vengeful, like, you know, pray vengeful prayers. Well, uh, as, and, you know, and, and the tendency is to say, well, that's all that, that's sort of Old Testament vengeful, <laughs> fair, vengeful prayers kind of stuff, you know, all the Psalms that pray vengeance uh, on my enemies. Well, uh, Paul uh, says in Romans chapter 12, do not repay uh, evil with evil uh, because, and he quotes from the Old Testament, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yeah. So what the what the psalm, what David's doing in these psalms, where he's praying uh, for God's judgment upon Saul, is he's saying, "Okay, vengeance is yours, Lord. I won't be the judge." Yeah. He's handing judgment over to God. He's taking his anger to God. You can't just, you know, you can't just deal this. Naturally, he's going to be ang- angry. It's yeah. what you do with your anger. That, that matters. What does he do? He takes it to God. He says, okay, God, what are you going to do about this? And so what we see in the Psalms is that this isn't an easy, this is, this is a struggle for David, oh. but he has that struggle out with God. He wrestled, this is a man who wrestles with God, uh, to use the, the picture of Jacob wrestling yeah. with God. He is wrestling with God all the way through this, and that is what God loves the most. That's, that is is the heart of David that God wants. Uh, struggle, God says, absolutely. Life can be a struggle, but make sure you do that struggle with me. Now, this is why this journey with David is going to be so much fun if I'm allowed to use that word, so deep and so wonderful doing it with our beloved Matthew Jacoby. Why? Because this man lives and breathes the Psalms. He's been doing it for decades and he's going to shine so much light on this life of King David. I love being able to read the story of David alongside the Psalms, the prayers, the songs he was singing as he lived them. Oh, fantastic stuff. Cannot wait to get into more of that next fortnight. Now, please don't forget this amazing C.S. Lewis collection can be all yours. Just head over to thrivetoday.tv. This is a very special offer just for you, just for Christmas. A great stocking filler, if I do say so myself. We'll see you next fortnight here on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.